0: This is episode 74 of Offscript with Trish Close, intimate interviews and fun conversations with interesting people. In front of my microphone today, I have Rachel Martin. Hello. Hello. I just saw you yesterday at it, Ulta.
1: At Ulta. I know. Which is, I have an 18-year-old daughter, so that's our guilty pleasure there at Ulta. Do you go there a lot? I try to go there less, but <sighs> yes, we're there often.
0: Well, I was there too. It's it's dangerous. It is. It's a, it's it a is. dangerous place for sure. Um... It's weird, though, seeing a podcast interview the day before the podcast. It's like it's meant to be. It is. It was meant to be. Um, A little progress report before we get into um, Rachel Martin. Obviously, we're in a different location. If you're watching this podcast right now, we're literally in the corner of of the Mail Tribune building in downtown Mm -hmm. Medford because, as a lot of people know, KTVL and the Mail Tribune and Rosebud Media are sort of partnering together. Over the last two weeks, we've been moving into this building. I was just telling Rachel it's... um, It's been kind of a pain in the ass, actually. I
1: bet.
0: bet. We're doing newscasts over the old KTVL building, and we're doing rehearsals in this building. So a lot of us have been shuttling back and forth over the last two weeks. We have one more week of rehearsals. We launch from the new set on Monday, October 28th. So I'm super excited that the shuttling will stop, but also our new set's very pretty. I'll give you a tour before you leave. great. Because it's gorgeous. Let's get back to you, Rachel Martin. Let's tell everybody who you are. Um, a lot of people know you from Red Lily, mm-hmm. winemaker, right? Owner, right? Uh, Dishwasher, <laughs> <laughs> toilet cleaner. Yeah,
1: absolutely, all the hats.
0: Um, what's the status of Red Lily right now?
1: So we are, in terms of harvest-wise, or just?
0: Um, I mean, all of it. I know. Yeah. I know you're still harvesting, but um, there's been talk Red Lily's for sale. Right. Okay. Still for sale?
1: It, it is still for sale.
0: Okay. Yes. We'll get into that in a second. Let's back up from the wee beginnings of Rachel. Where are you from originally?
1: So I grew up in Medford. So my parents were both uh, school teachers here locally. Mm. And so I graduated in 1989, last of the 80s ladies from South Medford. Nice. So definitely have gotten to see the growth and the changes in the Valley over time, which has been um, really great to be a part of. And Mm -hmm. then to be back as... An adult here, um, having a business and participating in the community in that way has been a really um, great, great right. full circle on it. Did you grow up with siblings? I did. So I have a younger, taller uh, sister. A younger, taller sister. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, younger, say, taller I always sister. say I'm the
1: older, shorter one. So And she works with me out at the winery, which is great. Oh, too. nice. Okay. Yeah. So I've probably seen her. You probably um, have. She's the younger, taller version of me. She's the younger, (laughs)
0: taller version of you. Right. And you're, um, and that's it? Just a sister? Just a sister. Okay. And then, I don't want to say just a sister. Right. She's probably amazing.
1: She is amazing.
0: Um, Your maiden name is what? Sullivan. Sullivan. So are there people
1: who remember Mr. and Mrs. Sullivan as like teachers? Absolutely. So when my, whenever you go anywhere with my dad around town, because he taught for 30 years at McLaughlin. Um, And he taught art there. So when I went to McLaughlin, it was like, you know, perfect because your dad was the crazy art teacher. He wasn't like the, you know, hard math teacher, but you go anywhere with him and everybody says, hey, Mr. Sullivan. So he was loved. He was loved, yeah. Is loved. Is loved, yes. And mom taught what? She taught elementary at White City and um,
0: also Jacksonville. Wow, two teachers. Yeah. What was that like growing up with two teachers in the house?
1: You know, it was great because we they had the summers off, and so we mm. spent a lot of time in the summers together as a family. And um, so it was a good um, – I did a lot of homework in my mom's classroom after school and on the weekends when she did lesson prep. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, w- it was a great, uh, pretty idyllic upbringing here yeah. in, in the Valley with them. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. And then did you go away to school? I did. So I went away to University of Nevada. Uh, You went to, wait, UNR? Yes, UNR. Are you serious? Did you go to UNR? I graduated from UNR. (laughs) No way. Yes. Wolfpack. Right? Absolutely. This is why I love this podcast. That is a gem of a school. It really is. It is. And so when I went there, it was cheaper to pay out-of-state tuition there than in-state tuition in Oregon. And it is... um, it is a little hidden gem of schools, I feel.
0: Thank you for saying that yeah. because a lot of people are like they're always like UNLV and I'm like, "No." Right. UNR. Sorry UNLV. UNR yeah. is beautiful campus. It is. It is a Reno Tahoe area is a beautiful part of the country. Absolutely. I love that school. Right. Holds a very special place in my heart. Um you went there when?
1: So I graduated from there in 1994.
0: Okay. Awesome. What would you study?
1: Criminal law. Shut up. perfect for winemaking right? Did you want to be a cop? I did so yes so I graduated in that field and I um, during college I interned at U.S. Customs mm-hmm. and then right out of, out of school I got a job um, working for a private company that was in headquartered in Sparks Nevada mm. and they were um, they produced Luxury luggage and leather goods, much like the same price point as like Louis Vuitton, Chanel. Oh, fancy! And um, they had a counterfeiting problem, mostly overseas. So gotcha.
0: Okay, we gotta back good. up. We gotta go back to UNR. Um, have you seen it lately?
1: I have. So I I tried to sell it to my son Riley when he was mm-hmm. looking at colleges. So um, you know I followed him around and tried to not be like the you know you're dragging your mom with you. Right. But it's I mean, it has really grown up since we've been there. It really, really
0: has. Um, I I went to, or I I should say, I applied to a lot of schools back east: mm-hmm. Clemson, mm-hmm. USC, College of Charleston. But I just couldn't. I graduated from high school in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. so I had that in-state tuition thing going for me. Right. But the school, the journalism program there, was so good, so good, and it's even better now. Yeah. But at the time. This was in '98. It was such a good program. Mm-hmm. It was competitive with programs at Stanford mm-hmm. and other schools on the West Coast, and so it just made more sense to go to UNR. And I was close to family, right, and all that kind of stuff. I love the quads because yes. the school's designed by a lot of the East Coast colleges. It had that in mind with a lot right. of quads
1: and. Um, I just, that's so funny. That is so Did you funny. join a sorority? I didn't. Uh, I didn't do that. Did you ever sleep on the N that's painted on the hill? hill? I helped
0: paint the N okay. my freshman year. <laughs> and the people who are walking around making it sound really great like, mm-hmm. hey, we're going to go up and paint the N. There's a big, huge N um, for Nevada up on a mountainside that you can see from the stadium.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's a hike up there. It's like all rocks, I believe. It is. Yeah. And it's you- a lot of sagebrush. Oh, a ton of sagebrush. You gotta work for it. Well, they made it sound really great. You know, here, we're just like a group of dumb freshmen, you know, me and my dorm mate and some other girls. Mm -hmm. And we're like, yeah, let's go paint the end. It's the dumbest thing ever. Don't do it. Right, right. Um, We have a new reporter, Shelby Riley. She's a UNR graduate. Okay. We got a little UNR community Gosh, here. Gosh, I
1: guess who knew? I love that, but yeah. I do.
0: I love that school. I have my professors there because it's so small. Mm-hmm. It's super affordable.
1: It is absolutely.
0: Um, it's just such a, a an amazing school. So UNR, there is your plug. Yeah, for the day. Go Wolfpack. Go Wolfpack. That's yeah. so awesome. Yeah. So within criminal law, why did you decide to go into that?
1: I, uh, I think it's one of those, I mean, to be honest, it's, it's one of those decisions you make at 18 with no life experience. Totally. So although I was successful in that short stint in that uh, field, my personality is not well suited to have done a long-term career in that in mm-hmm. that path. I I think that there are a lot of uh, the movies, uh, the media depict a lot of um, uh, glamorous is not the right word, mm-hmm. but a lot of jobs in that field that are um, that aren't that aren't a lot of those jobs, and, yeah. and most of them are, um, you know some very hard jobs like in the prisons and things like that Mm -hmm. and so just wasn't wasn't a good fit for me did you go through and maybe riley did i went through
0: the big book of careers Mm -hmm. when i was starting to think about what i wanted to do and major in and it's just at 17 and 18 that's so overwhelming it is overwhelming it is and right our kiddos went to school together Mm -hmm. in at Rouge. um I mean, Connor, he'll probably kill me for saying this, he still is not really sure what he wants to be when he grows up. Right. And I, we tell him all the time, that's okay. Yeah,
1: it is okay. I mean, I think that, uh, I think you can spend your whole life figuring it out and Mm -hmm. that's okay too. Um, Mm -hmm. So. I mean, there's people at 16 know exactly what they
0: want to do. Yeah. That's just their path. It's not everybody's path. Right. Um, So you interned with, you said U.S. Customs. U.S. Customs because there was counterfeit issues. There
1: were counterfeit, uh, U.S. Customs deals with a lot of things like crimes that are across international lines, and so that's all kinds of horrible crimes, like that's uh, drugs, that's um, child pornography, mm-hmm. that's counterfeit goods, Mm-hmm. I think all of the.
0: And so there was there a company you said in Sparks that had counterfeit problems? There
1: was, and so okay. that company was called Hunting World, mm-hmm. and they sold their goods in Uh, luxury places where people would go on vacation uh, mostly in Asia and so it was a really amazing opportunity and experience for me because Mm -hmm. you know I was 20 22 years old right right out of college and I spent five years traveling everywhere and uh, everywhere overseas I'd spend a month in Korea Mm. I'd go um, to Europe and at that point um, You know, navigating the world like that when you're young makes you very resilient. Uh, Just able to handle different whatever comes your way. So that was a a gift to have that job. But you know, I would get to work and the the person that owned the company was um, really unhappy that people were ripping him off, counterfeiting his goods. Mm -hmm. So I'd get to work in the morning and um, I'd show up with a cup of coffee in my hand and he'd say, I heard there's a fake watch in Singapore, I want you to go today. And so I would literally go home, pack my stuff and go. And so it's not conducive to a, a normal life. No. Um, you know, you spend five years like that and your friends start invi- stop inviting you, you know. To Cause go, you're never around. Cause you're never around. But it was a great moment in, uh, in life. Interesting.
0: Yeah. Did that happen where there he was like, hey, this is happening in Singapore. I need you to go. I,
1: I, happened all the time. What do you do when you get there? Then you you go to markets, different night markets where counterfeit goods are sold, and um, you look for them. And then you work with local law enforcement agencies in the place. Sounds a little dangerous. It you know it is. Uh, some of those markets are happening at you know late at night in seedy places. Seedy places, um, but. You know, there's, there's uh, intellectual property crimes like counterfeiting of, you know, handbags or watches. Uh-huh. So that's in one facet of it. But then there's not a, a, a whole other facet of of like um, people counterfeiting malaria medicine. I mean, that's a, you know, the the fake Rolex, Rolex, is over here. But you know, fake malaria medicine. Right. That's in a whole different. Yeah. That's. Um, That, that's scary. Yeah.
0: So. Crazy. Right. And then you were working with the authorities in whatever city that you were working in. Yes. Was that a challenge, like, as far
1: as language barriers? It was a challenge, but most, you know, a lot of times when you go places, people are speaking English. Thank goodness. (laughs) Right, right.
0: That's probably one of my biggest fears of traveling abroad is just, I want to be able to communicate with people. I'm a communicator, so that would be really frustrating if you can't. Yeah. Um,
1: how long did you do that for? I did that for five years. Okay, mm-hmm. and why did you decide to get out of it? I decided to get out of it because I got married, mm. um, was pregnant with my first son. That'll and do so it. So that'll do it, that's a, um, you know, kind of forces your hand on a life change like that. Where were you when that happened? Where were you when you got married? I was living in Reno. Reno still, okay. Still Reno, yeah. Wow.
0: Was yeah. Reno home base for you? It was home base. Okay, mm-hmm. um, and parents were still in Medford then. They were. Okay, yeah. so you get married. What year is this? You get married. That's 1997. Okay, you guys were dating. I'm assuming while you're traveling, right? Or okay, right? Um, and then Riley comes along. Yes. Okay, when do you guys
1: decide to move to Southern Oregon? So the we were the the when you live in Las Vegas oftentimes your plan is, how do you get out of Las Vegas mm-hmm. when you live there? Mm-hmm. Especially coming from Southern Oregon, it's just, um, you know, the the pace of life is a little different in Las Vegas, and um, it's so beautiful here. My, my whole family mm-hmm. was here. So when Riley was in kindergarten um, is when I started working in the wine industry here. So I would load up Uh, both kids so I had Mm -hmm. Lily had come along by that point Mm -hmm. so I would load both kids up and drive from Las Vegas to Medford and I would spend six months out of the year here working and learning uh, winemaking and then would go back to Las Vegas so Las Vegas or Reno Las Vegas at that point okay wait okay wait so when did Las Vegas happen so from um, after I got married um, I was living in Reno but then moved to Las Vegas why Las Vegas because my husband was there okay gotcha living in Las Vegas working and living in in Vegas okay you would drive from Las Vegas to Medford I would and I think about how I did that at this point Um, how old were you I was 28
0: I mean, I've done the drive from Reno to Vegas and back multiple times. Yeah, it
1: ain't fun. It's like driving through Egypt. Yes. Yeah, with two wild animals strapped in their car right. seats. <laughs> right. I mean, and there's nothing. There's nothing. You know, you hit the like,
0: you hit Tonopah. Right. Right. And that was like the halfway point. Right. And then once you got to Hawthorne, yeah, you knew like a couple more hours, and yeah. I'm in Reno. And then even the drive from
1: Reno to Medford, it's pretty, but still. Right. You know, there are parts of Nevada where it's really kind of twilight zone out there, mm-hmm. you know? You're kind of in no man's land. It, it really is. Yeah, Where you would drive for, you could drive
0: for two hours and not see another car. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's spooky. If you, if, <laughs> hey spooky. listeners, if you, if you want to do something really bizarre, drive that drive. It's what, seven and a half hours, seven hours?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a trek.
0: But it's just nothing. It is. There's nothing there. Right. Some brothels maybe. <laughs>
1: A few of those. Yeah,
0: the the red lights you would see. Yeah. So
1: why I, I
0: mean I guess why I know why Southern Oregon because there's wine here, mm-hmm. but what made you decide to do that? Drive and, and work in the wine industry? Mm-hmm. Well,
1: because we had the, the plan was always to relocate back here. Gotcha. And so when we was first starting out, it wasn't about wine exactly. And mm-hmm. it's, this, this is a, sounds like a silly story and a pretty simple story for how it got from point A to point B. But it, I remember looking for property here. So this is before I started making the trek here with the kids um, to work in the wine industry and looking for property to, to someday relocate here. Mm-hmm. And I remember finding a piece of property on the Applegate and I took my um, my dad with me to see it. And he's this funny guy. I mean, he's he's the kind of guy that makes everything good. You could be digging a ditch or having lunch with the queen and he's going to make everything equally fun. I mean he's I got love this him. amazing attitude and funny. And so, do you think he'd do my podcast? A- absolutely. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to write that down. Okay. And so I remember going out to this, taking him with me and going out to look, look at this place out in the Applegate that was um, set up to be an organic basil farm. <laughs> and so, you know, That's I... That's very specific. It is specific. And so it was really beautiful. And I said, well, gosh, you know, maybe I could be a basil farmer, you know, thinking about how you're going to reinvent yourself, you know, in your mood. Because you're, you're thinking, I don't want to do my job anymore. Right. Okay. Right. And so he looks at me, and he says, um, can I swear on this show? Can I? Yeah. Okay, absolutely, because okay, so, the story is better with how he Okay, perfect. It. So we get out there, and I said, well, gosh, maybe I could be a basil farmer. And he was like, why in the hell would you do that? You should grow wine grapes. And I'm like, yeah, he's right, you uh-huh. know? And it's, it's sort of, that's a funny story. It's kind of simple, but um, it really got me on the path to that. And at that time there were vineyards starting to come into the valley Mm -hmm. and it's been really fun to watch the progression of that. And gosh, to be part of something like that that has had so much forward momentum Mm -hmm. is amazing. And so it's at that point where I started to connect with different people in the industry and people were kind of taking me under their wing, helping me get started and showing me um, what to do, who to call. um, how to how to go about planting a vineyard on your property and crazy how much property was this is this the property that exists today no so this is a property that's a little bit farther out in the Applegate out Thompson Creek Road and it was 27 acres and the first vineyard planting was just two acres so baby steps totally yeah I love that your dad started all this
0: yeah he basically just said why would you do basil? Basil's yeah. delicious. But, I mean, I love <laughs> pesto, right? Right. I mean, don't get me wrong; it's totally. good.
1: But you know, uh, the it's the glamour and the allure of grapes, too, and mm-hmm. just um, you know what you what you have in your mind in the beginning of that, not knowing that it's like hard-ass farming, you know, every single day, but hugely. Yeah. Uh, and I also love the
0: the belief that he had has in -hmm. you. Yeah. To just go, don't do this, do this. Right. And yeah, you can do it. Yeah. So you start baby steps. Do you go to school at any point to learn about grapes? Right.
1: So I had an opportunity to apprentice at Roxanne winery when they first started, so their first vintage when they opened their uh, facility here. Mm-hmm. And so I can remember the first day, I mean, this is almost embarrassing to even say this, but <laughs> I can remember the first day going to work there and I had on um, a white, I had a white like button down like, little cardigan, you know? <laughs> And it's so ridiculous to think of that because I don't even think I own a white shirt at this point in time. Rachel, you, know? you are adorable. That's awesome. <laughs> so I show up, you know, with a with an attitude just to kind of take in everything I can mm-hmm. and to learn. And um, that was an amazing opportunity there. Did you get grape juice on that? White oh shirt? my gosh! I mean, it lasted like five seconds, right? Fantastic. Yeah, it was like baptism by grape juice in your white button down cardigan, and then so I was able to work there for, Mm -hmm. you know, I worked there for 10 years until I had the courage to open red lily with no lifeline in. And then I had taken, I have taken a lot of chemistry classes. I I mean, I hadn't had chemistry since I was 15 yeah and I didn't particularly like it then. Mm -hmm. So um, that's a big piece of, of the wine making. And so I have worked really hard in order to, you know, master that part of, um, yeah. Of the. Well, the Roxanne's industry. on
0: my. It's on my in my notes because mm-hmm. that's where I remember seeing you mm-hmm. from. Actually, was um, I wearing
1: the white cardigan? No. <laughs> oh,
0: okay. It was probably a few years after. Probably. You, you I learn a few things. A little more seasoned. Which yeah. is funny because I tend to wear white at a lot of wine events, mm-hmm. and people always give me crap. They're yeah. like, "Well, you're brave wearing white," and right. I'm just like, Psh, "I laugh in the face of danger." Sure. Sure. And to this day never, have, have never had to throw out any sort of white dress. Well, there so you go. it'll, the next time I wear white yeah. at a white event, it'll totally happen. It, it will. Um, but it sounds like Roxy Ann working there. Did you work for
1: them or were you doing other things on the side? So I worked for them okay. and then I was, a, a custom crush client there for Red Lily. Gotcha. And that, that came later, I'm assuming. That came later. So I started there in 2000 and one And then the first vintage of Red Lily was 2003. Okay. Were you, there.
0: at 2001 at this point, were you guys relocated up here?
1: Or were you still doing? No, th- I was going back and forth. Dude. Driving through the desert. That's and insane. And that was really possible because my parents have been in the trenches yeah. this whole time. Um, they were helping watch the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the day Lily got her first tooth. I drove to work to Ann. so uh, with my parents, you know my home my mom home with you know a crying oh man baby
0: yeah, was that hard?
1: Oh it was hard. I bet yeah, did you miss out on some things? you know I that that's a hard that's a hard thing to juggle motherhood and um, and the intensity that. you know harvest has yeah so
0: because a harvest is
1: not just it's not really full-time it's like overtime right it is it is and you know because it's a concentrated period of the year so you can really Mm -hmm. do that Mm -hmm. for a concentrated period and then the rest of it is is um hours that are more conducive to, you right. know, a family life.
0: I mean, you could even say, I think stay-at-home moms tend to miss out on some things with their kids just because sure. that's life. Sure. That's life. It is. It is. But it's hard, um, and I know a few moms who have chosen to stay at home, and it's amazing, mm-hmm. and I know a lot of moms who work full-time right. plus
1: yeah.
0: um, with babies at home, mm-hmm. and did they just do it.
1: Yeah. It everything, sounds like that's, that was you. It was me. And everything has its challenges. You know, every scenario has its challenges mm-hmm. that are unique to that. So, I mean, I can remember Lily walking down the hill with a curling iron to the winery lab so that I could curl her hair before she went to school because it's picture day. And, um, you know, that's just... You just make it work. You just roll with it. That's yeah, what you do. Yeah, you really do. Were there ever
0: moments where you had... where There was that decision, though? Mm-hmm. Like... I, I can't be at the winery today because I have to be home with my kiddos yeah. or I mean was that
1: ever a struggle for you? So I think for me it's been really um, having Red Lily and being like the the boss of myself there mm-hmm. has made it so that I have been lucky in the sense that I've been able to manage my time so that they have been able to come first. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I might be at a basketball game, smelling like booze and having a little fruit fly halo swarming around me, like pig pen, <laughs> like pig pen. But um, I've been able to do that so that later I can, you know, go finish yeah. my work at the winery. And mm-hmm. so, gosh, I mean, that's that's yeah. a dream to get to have done that.
0: You are in the category of I have lots of women in this category, wonder women. That's what that's what I call. People like us, I'm gonna put myself in Mm -hmm. there. Uh, We're Wonder Women because we just, we can do a lot of things and we're good, hardworking women and Mm -hmm. we've raised some pretty awesome kids and. Yeah, thanks. Just, and all while working crazy hours and just making shit happen. Yeah, right. Getting it done. Getting it done. Yeah. I like that. I really love that attitude. Um, It sounds like Roxanne was a little bit of like graduate school
1: for you. It was. A really great start for me because I got to watch um, you know I got to work under a lot of different Mm winemakers there so the first one was Sarah Powell who was wow really amazing and so you know I really credit her to I mean she was a strong female you know so that's amazing to um, have her you know to have had her as a role model and she spent a lot of time with me teaching me how to be a critical taster of wine and, and just, um, just all of the nuances. And that takes a lot of time to do with somebody. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't realize it at the time in my white cardigan <laughs> that, you know, during harvest, it's, you know, it's intense. There's a lot of work. And for somebody to have spent the time that she did during that period of work um it it didn't i didn't understand it at the time i understand it now and i you know i love to be able to do that for somebody that's trying to get their start would would, is it safe to say that sarah was
0: kind of a i mean she was basically a a foundation of winemaking in the rogue valley
1: absolutely one of the first absolutely
0: um that's amazing that you started you learned under a female for the first time that's kind of rare
1: yeah it it is and so that was amazing because i got to see you know her you know she she was doing it and so for me it was like okay you know i might be able to do this one day she's doing it um she can do it i can do it yeah yeah uh who came next and so then after that was gus janeway and yeah. he worked at Roxanne, he had his own label, mm-hmm. a wine label at the time, and he is an amazing person. And so every winemaker that you work under, you pick up different things, different tools for the toolbox, different approaches or um, how they approach their winemaking mm-hmm. style. And, and so he was a great guy to work with. And then after that was John Can- Canonas. Nice. yeah.
0: Who's still? Still here. Still, still there. Here, still yes. making wine right. for Roxy Ann.
1: He no. is making wine for his own uh, label here, okay. which is Diamondback. That's right. Yeah. Yes. And he's an incredible winemaker. He
0: is. He's the one who looks like Tom Selleck. He does look like Tom Selleck. <laughs> I actually have a picture of him uh, together, and it was at a Roxy Ann wine event, and I posted it on Facebook, and I was like, look, I'm hanging out with Tom Selleck. Right. right. I think he thought it was funny. I'm not sure.
1: Well, that's a compliment because Tom Selleck's hot. Hello. Tom Selleck's
0: gorgeous. Right. <laughs> super sexy, older man. Um, so see, John, it's a compliment. It is a compliment. At what point do you decide, was it always, I want to do this on my own? Or were you thinking, I can just make wine for a winery? Yeah. Like, what, at what point did it start out that way? Or at what mm-hmm. point did you say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do my own thing.
1: So it was always the goal to have, to be able to work to have my own mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. It was never a goal to have a tasting room, so that falls under the category of things Rachel never thought she would do, which is make white wine, have a tasting room. I um, and you know it's a it's an evolution of how you start off, and you know I think that when you start off, or for me anyway, you you underestimate how difficult it is to sell your wine. So um, without having an actual spot, a location where people can, um, you can tell your story, they can identify with Mm -hmm. what you are all about. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, my favorite part is making the wine. I mean, I love making the wine, but you have to sell the wine in order to keep making the wine. So it's a pretty simple equ- equation. That's
0: how that works. You yes. got to sell some stuff too. You do. So I remember seeing you when it was still World of Wine. Yes. And it was your—I think it was your first World of Wine. Yes. And it was just you. Yes. At this table, was that 2003? Yeah. Uh, that was 2005. Five. It's just you at this table. You have a few bottles of Red Lily. Right and this carafe and right. you're pouring wine. Yeah. And I don't know if you remember this. People were going gaga mm-hmm. over your stuff.
1: Like I don't remember I do. that I remember being so nervous to pour at that event because you know it's and at that point too it's it's in the beginning of of when I had ever poured at a public event and mm-hmm. it's like all of your blood sweat and tears that are in this bottle and you for people to your, critique you've got your heart on your sleeve and you haven't become seasoned enough to take the good and the bad with mm-hmm. that because you know wine is a subjective thing and not everybody's going to, love your your particular wine it's and true. so it's just uh, you know it, it takes a little bit of time to kind of get in the rhythm of taking the you know the good and the bad yeah. because you see people that respond favorably and then you know the look that when people have on their face when it's not their thing and they don't love it, it ain't their cup of tea. And it's hard. To, it's hard to see that look when you've worked yeah. so hard at um, at a product. And you know that wine was tannic as hell. That two thousand three, and I love those wines that kind of take your head off. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know that's a wine that is. Um,
0: I remember you saying that. Yeah,
1: I remember you every time you were
0: we would pour a taste for someone. You're like. It's young,
1: yeah.
0: It's really young, yeah. Um, But still, a lot of people at that event, and then afterwards, it was just like, "Have you tried red lily? Have you tried red lily? The tempranillo is amazing." And you were just making tempranillo, right? Just making tempranillo. So, when do you decide to pull the trigger and get this tasting room? Because you just wanted a winery,
1: right? So it became pretty clear early on that you need a tasting room, an actual place where somebody can come and and taste your wines. In order to like, in order to make it. Um, So that first year, the first vintage of uh, 2003, you know, I only made 98 cases, and so everything's been you know baby steps. Um, And you know, at 98 cases, I thought, gosh, if if this whole thing falls apart, you know, my Irish family is going to be able to drink this at a family reunion. we're going to be fine no sweat (laughs) right but um it just you know there's a lot of competition for wine there's a lot of great wines being produced in the valley Mm -hmm. and um it's just it's makes it a little difficult if you don't have a an actual brick and mortar place for somebody to come how did the 98 cases do the 98 cases did well and Mm -hmm. I still have about I held back about 12 cases of that wine in library and that wine is just really coming into its own and it's crazy it it is crazy and it's so I don't know how to make this sound like um not like a hallmark I'll just do it but I'm gonna go for it it's just when you make wine from year to year it's just it's it's time in a bottle you know I can Mm -hmm. remember like I always laugh that I feel like that 2003 vintage tastes like love and fear, you know, at the same time because you just I just can remember exactly how that felt, um, uh-huh. you know, and yeah. what the weather was like, and um, just all of the the things that went on during that vintage.
0: That's a that's a beautiful description because I think we've all been there. Yeah, you know, you're in different ways. S- you're so in love with this. Yeah. Thing that you did this huge project, um, but yeah, there's a lot of fear oh, in there yeah. too, right? And bloods and as you said, blood, sweat, and tears. I mean, you put you put your life into this. Mm-hmm. There was, I mean, I don't want to be dramatic. I don't want to be Hallmark, but mm-hmm. there was a little bit of time away from your kids sure. in this wine, right? And your family, and right. so a lot of sacrifice comes with that, right? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So okay, let's get back to the tasting room. Mm-hmm. What year
1: are you like? Ugh, we got to do it. Boy, early on, you start making a couple hundred cases of wine and you understand that mm-hmm. you, um, you know, that the tasting room is is in, needs to be in the works. Where were you plant. selling your wine from? Selling my wine through Roxanne, nice. that was great. I was able to sell it there. And in mm-hmm. 98 cases, you can do that. You know, if you add another hundred, another hundred that years, as years stack up. Yeah, right. Yeah. So early
0: on, do you guys find this property Yes. Okay. Yes. It's stunning
1: property. That property is, I, I love that place. I feel, I'm, I've never worked so hard in my life. I knew that I was going to work hard out there and it's, you know, having property like that mm. is so much work. But I feel like almost a reverence to that place. Mm-hmm. It, um, it feels like when you cross the bridge mm-hmm. that it is a different time, you know? And I think uh, that that place was on the market, you know, it was, it came on the market in 2006. And, um, you know, it was such a stretch for us to try to get that place. And, you know, the backup plan was really, really unattractive Mm -hmm. if it didn't work out. Mm -hmm. But we were, you know, it was one of those points in your life where it's like, you've gotta go for it. Because the regret you're gonna feel Having not gone all in is going to feel yeah. bad at this point. After having just put so much time and energy into this mm-hmm. project that has momentum, and being on the river, um, you know, f- and being right on that main artery of the Applegate Wine Trail, yeah. were two huge things, and so yeah, we just went for it at that at that point. That scares me. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it still scares me. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it is it is a difficult thing to pull mm-hmm. off.
0: And I think, you know, there there are ways you can go about getting something like that that you want. Mm-hmm. You've, you've done baby steps mm-hmm. for your whole life. This wasn't a baby step. Right. This was a just you're jumping off the cliff and you're.
1: The whole enchilada.
0: Yeah. You're yeah. either going to sink or swim. Yeah. And that, just that idea of that scares the crap out of me. Yeah.
1: I'll tell you what, it was 2000, uh, that place opened in 2011, mm-hmm. August of 2011, and so the first vintage in that facility was the fall of 2011, and it was a hard vintage. It was a vintage with a lot of rain, mm. and I the stress that I felt at that moment of time was palpable. It was... I knew that the success of the tasting room was going to be dependent on what I could get into the bottle right. myself with no lifeline out there. Right. You know, my first year on my own, and you know, it would rain and it would rain, and I just thinking back on it now, I um, you know that was a that mm. was a dig deep.
0: I bet. I bet. Year. You guys opened the tasting room, you said 2011? Yes. Okay. Um, you guys put a lot of work out into this facility. It's mm-hmm. stunning. Thank you. Thank it's you beautiful. See. Obviously, there's no place that looks like Red Lily in Southern
1: Oregon. I think it's such a, a unique property. It's, it's an old cattle ranch, and um, some of those barns were there. Uh, the, no way. The barn that's in the connected to the tasting room mm-hmm. is 100 years old. It's a, it was a cattle feeding barn. And so it was important, um, you know, which we have renovated for more tasting space, but it was important to us to have the new buildings fit the rural surroundings, So totally. it didn't look like it was a, you know, Tuscan's place dropped from space into the Applegate. Yeah. And so I think that the the designer, Ken Snelling, did a really good job of honoring that and mm-hmm and just, um, you know, making that look like it, it fit.
0: It's beautiful. Was Red Lily, and I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, and I don't know the answer to this, it mm-hmm. seems like Red Lily was one of the first wineries where you guys offered that table side tasting mm-hmm. where you could just go grab a seat mm-hmm. and someone would come by and, and pour you a taste of mm-hmm. wine and keep going through the flight.
1: So we did that early on, mm-hmm. and it wasn't something that we could sustain because of uh, the amount of traffic. I was, yeah. So we had to gear that. That was the idea. It was amazing. Initially, and it was really good when it, while it lasted, mm-hmm. but it was just something that was not, we just couldn't service the There's amount of room. There's no way. Through.
0: I mean, I've seen, I've seen you guys on a busy day. There's just no way you can do that anymore. In the really s- anywhere. Right, really. Yeah. I mean, I remember Piper.
1: Oh, Piper. I love Piper. Me too. She's like a sister too. to me.
0: She was the best. Yeah. I, absolutely. And we would, I mean, I would literally go to Red Lily and taste wine with Piper and we would talk about beer the entire time.
1: Oh, right. She's amazing. <laughs>
0: good, good beer drinker. Yeah. Um, and a lot of things have kind of changed for you guys mm-hmm. at Red Lily. Right. Over the years.
1: I think that we have, we have flexed. Mm -hmm. and figured out what works well what we what we do well and we've we've tried to you know some things that you do you understand that you're working too hard for the result or it's just not a good fit for our property or or what makes sense so I think that you know the the first year first couple years it's like their learning curve is steep. You're being like shot out of a cannon every mm-hmm. day trying to adjust and, and figure out what makes sense for you for your business model. So I think that we are, you know, the, the staff that we have there mm-hmm. has been, a lot of those people are, are day ones. They, yep. you know, and so we've got this well-oiled, strong staff that can really um, roll with things and are really just mm-hmm. amazing. Uh, did you... You grow grapes
0: on the property. Yes. Do you use those? Yes. Okay. Um, if this sells, mm-hmm. what
1: are you going to do? Is Red Lily going to go away? That, that's a good question. I, you know, it, it's been a difficult thing for me to have on the market for sure. I it's, bet. This is your baby. It is. And so that's been some some things that have taught me a lot about life and and being... Uh, you know, that the, really the only constant thing is change, and you have to sometimes embrace it even if you don't want to, mm-hmm. even if it wasn't your original plan. So if, if I, and I'm trying to, to be honest, I'm really trying to stay in the moment with it um, and not thinking about the, what, what will right. happen, because I feel like once I step out of that, mindset mm-hmm. that of being present and doing the best job I can there now that it's it loses a little bit mm-hmm. so i um you know a lot of the scenarios um could have me still being there making the wine which could be a really great f- thing for me you know if the if the situation mm-hmm. was right so I love that I, yeah. And I love,
0: I just love you for saying that because, um, that's one of my mantras is just to be in the moment because yeah. so many times, and I, and I fail at that sometimes, but it's Same. hard to be in the moment. It
1: is hard. It, um, so this has taught me that, and that's a, um, that's a gift too. Right. Yeah. My
0: husband always says there's no stress in the moment. Yeah. Right. And it's true. It is true. Yeah, it is true. Um, and I'm sure it's gotta be tough. Are you concerned?
1: Do you wanna sell it to the right person too? Is that? You know, I do and, and so I have that kind of dialogue with myself internally all the time. Sure. You know, you, you do, you wanna sell it to somebody that loves it as much as you and has, a, has the same vision mm-hmm. or wants to then take it to the next level um, because you know I feel like there's so much more potential there that hasn't been realized. Um, so that's, you know, that's the one side of me. And then the other side is acknowledging that you don't always have that kind of control over something. Totally. And, um, and you know, you, you don't, you don't really own anything. We're all just kind of passing through, you know, and somebody else's, um, idea, even though it hasn't been mine, could be good and different in, a, in, a, For sure. in another way.
0: And your way of doing things is not necessarily the right way, and yeah, all, all that. Those things. All of yeah. those things, right? Um, I know why the lily. Yes. Why the red?
1: So I thought. So that name came after a lot of hours of wine drinking. You know, as <laughs> most good ideas Perfect. do. Perfect. Um, so red lily, so yes, lily is a big part of that, my, mm-hmm. my daughter. And it is, um, a Bolander's lily is a lily that grows in the area, mm-hmm. which is a, a brownish red color. And I thought that when I was thinking about names that, you know, you're always thinking about brand recognition. Like what, if your wine is on the shelf and with all the other wines, what is the one thing that's going to make somebody pause and maybe take another second to look at your label or read your label or why the red lily? And so I think that most people, when you think of lilies, you almost think of white lilies a a lot of the times. And so I think red lily was something that maybe caused that pause. And for people to take a second look, second thought Mm -hmm. about what the label meant And um, I was really focused on red wine production, so Mm -hmm. that was another part of it. And, you know, I always feel like the Australians do a really good job with naming their Mm -hmm. wines because I feel like a lot of those names create the pause. Like, what does that mean? Right. So, and I always thought if Lily had red hair, it would have been really perfect, but too far to go for marketing, you know? Dang it, Lily. I know, so... Should have made her dye it at like
0: <laughs> I, eight. I should have. Um, but red's kind of a, been a signature color for you guys, obviously with marketing and it the has red. Been. We got to talk about the red boots. I got the
1: red boots. I got them on today. Well, red's my favorite color. Too. Same here. So it's just, and I feel like the the red lily image is strong yeah. and feminine and red is a positive color i feel mm. like it's also an attention getter it is an attention getter. that's why i like it yeah because
0: i'm just like hello look <laughs> at me red
1: um do you go through a, a pair of boots every harvest so the sad part for me is i'm really hard on these boots and so i'm going through you yeah can they're see rough these ones are taking on water already and i've only had these like three months you got a hole in these girl i know my sock is wet actually seriously as we speak yes
0: you've had these for three months i have my my boots they're not red but mm-hmm. i mean i need to go dirty i need to come out and help you you need to break those in i really really do
1: i mean the they're Brit- too clean the british army are supposed to wear these boots and i think they must be kind of soft because you know i they don't they're not holding up it's a good point we need to
0: <laughs> we need to talk to the manufacturer we're not going to mention we the name but you we probably do. all can figure it out yeah um, did Riley ever get upset that his name isn't on a wine bottle? So,
1: that's <laughs> great. So Riley, we have a lot of great, uh, conversations about that. And so Riley, um, we have this dry erase board in the kitchen of the tasting room uh-huh. and, uh, Riley will go through there and he'll, uh, he'll write, um, uh, uh Red Riley um, <laughs> life of Riley all of these names about him he says he's gonna open up a, a, a business down the road do someday. It. yeah he turned 21 he did turn 21 oh man Connors January will be 21 yeah. yeah is it weird it is weird I I was at a restaurant with him where he ordered a beer and it was a very strange Yee! strange thing
0: we never made alcohol a big deal in our house yeah um, I mean Connor's had a glass of bubbly with me on Mm -hmm. multiple occasions. Right. New Year's Eve, his birthday. I mean, we just, we've never glorified it. We've never made it a big deal. And it's just not a big deal for him. Yeah. Because of that. Right. So I don't know if that's the right or wrong way. That's just how we did it in our
1: house. It's, it's been like that in my house. Yeah,
0: for sure. So, um, well, we're going to wrap up a little bit. Um, but harvest is going well.
1: It's going well. This is a This is a year that we've gotten a lot of water on the front end, and so it's, I feel like we've lost some harvest days in the front, and it's made it a little compressed. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's been going good, and there's been a lot of hang time for the fruit. So what is coming in is great. and, um, Uh, And you said gasp,
0: you had to make white wine at some point. Yes, in this career, not a white wine fan? Well, I'm
1: not, I I do appreciate white wine. It it wasn't something that I thought I would be making because um, I just was so focused on the reds and the Tempranillos, but uh, whites are are challenging. It's like somebody once told me um, that white wine was like a woman with no makeup, that you, Hmm. that it's just, you have to be, it's just pretty raw like that. I think that's a good description. You have to enhance it. it. You have to. Yes, it's like the barrel. If you think about the barrel as like uh, an a drink, something that helps okay. wine, and and white wines are just a little more um, easy to have flaws, mm-hmm. easy to to have anything like that. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and you won an
0: award mm-hmm.
1: at Oregon Wine Experience this past year. Mm-hmm. What did you get again? I got a. Uh, Gold for Life of Riley, which is a blend of Tempranillo and Cabernet. <laughs> Riley, there you are. There you are, Riley. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Well, congratulations mm-hmm. on that. You. But you've won
0: several awards, we should say.
1: Yes. Yes. It's been, it's, I mean, that always feels really good to get some hardware at a, a, an event in our, in our own backyard. And yeah, that feels good. Awesome. You've been a delight. Thank you for having me. It's been fun to talk to you. And the well, the funny fact... thing is,
0: yeah, we've we've known each other because, our, again, our, our kids went to Roosh together, Right. the sweet, sweetest sweet school, school in Southern Oregon. Um, but we've known each other that way and through wine events. And um, you've, uh, you're you on my list, obviously, to interview for this podcast, but I'm just finally glad we got to do it. Yes. Yeah, and I learned so much about you.
1: Yeah. Awesome.
0: Yeah. Um, final three, I did prep you on these. Yes. Best advice you've
1: ever been given. So the best advice I've been giving so much advice that's really I had mm-hmm. to really think about that. But as it pertains to the wine business, I had I remember back in this was 2003. I had I was talking to Brian Wilson, who has mm-hmm. been a staple in love uh, that the, guy. the wine business. Mm-hmm. He's done so much for the wine business in Southern Oregon. He's um, somebody I have so much admiration for as a winemaker, and he's just an incredible guy. Um, and so I can remember talking to him at that point, and I was I was voicing my stress over when to pick the grapes. And he said, he looks at me, and he, he laughed, and he said, whenever you pick them is the perfect time. And, you know, I think that that's really true. And it's, and it not only pertains to when you pick your grapes, mm-hmm. but it pertains to a lot of things. Yeah. Like, you know, sometimes you sit around waiting for the perfect time and sometimes the perfect times now, if that makes <gasps> sense. And and he, um, I, th- and I think about what, I mean, he probably doesn't even remember saying that to me, but I, I think about that most mm-hmm vintages that come around, yeah. you know, like when I'm out there trying to, you know, make a decision and I and I think about how he said that to me, mm-hmm. even the cadence in his voice. It's just the the perfect time to pick him is when you pick him.
0: Oh man, yeah. I've gotten so many good nuggets from you today. That's yeah. so good.
1: Yeah. He's a great guy.
0: Yeah. And you think about that too making career changes. Um not that I'm leaving KTVL anytime soon, but I'm going to at some point, Mm -hmm. and so it's – I think about that. When's the right time to do it? Yeah. Whenever I do it. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. absolutely. I love that. That's really good. Thank you, Brian Wilson. Yeah. I should have him on this podcast. You should.
1: He would be great for you. Okay. I'm
0: going to write that down, too. Write it down. Um, If you ever left this place, Southern Oregon, Mm -hmm. what would you miss the most? What would bring you back here?
1: I think – I mean, we are so spoiled living where we do because it is – everything good look at look at today it's beautiful and we just have access to so many incredible things Mm -hmm. but I think what I would miss the most is just sense of community Mm. I I think that this is a place that is where people are rooting for uh, you you know and I think that um in both good and bad times, I think that people, this place has a unique ability to come together. And we see it all the time Mm -hmm. in our community. And so I would really miss that um, because that's really Mm -hmm. important
0: to me. Uh, A friend just opened a tasting room in Jacksonville Mm -hmm. and they had industry night Mm -hmm. last night and there were so many industry people there rooting for them. Right, right. It just, it makes me super happy. Yeah,
1: me too. And And that's a, that's a great thing to be a part of. Agreed. Yeah. Um, final meal, final drink. What would that look like? Uh, it would definitely be some kind of like red wine and it would be French fries and ketchup. That's French fries and ketchup. Yeah, that's my mm, kryptonite. Home, like homemade French fries? Like any kind of fries. <laughs> any kind. Do you have a favorite
0: right now? Like if you could have any fry. Yeah. I mean, like fast food yeah. or like fancy
1: restaurant fry. Gosh, this sounds. Uh, it's, no, say Ma- it. McDonald's fries are like kind of the pinnacle of fries, aren't they? They're pretty good. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest.
0: Are you a fan of In-N-Out fries?
1: I I do love In-N-Out, but I'm not a fan of In-N-Out fries. They're a little too healthy potato-y. <laughs> like I need a little more like salt, a little more um, hard
0: my My grandma and my mom make the best French fries. Really? So we have that Irish blood in yeah. us, yep. and that's my mom's kryptonite is yeah. any sort of potato yeah. anyway. Sure. Um, but that woman makes the best French fries ever. Uh. My mom makes the best French fries.
1: Well, if it's my last day, last meal, Okay. I'm coming to her
0: house. I'll call it mama. <laughs> okay. But yeah, best French fries on the planet. Uh, I love that you said French so fries too. Good. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast on iTunes and you like it, please subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, it helps other people find us. We're also on Google Play and Stitcher. You can check out the video portion at ktvl.com. Just click on features and then off script. One more time, Rachel Martin of Red Lily, thank you so much for being here. This thank you for was having me. an absolute Listen, blast. It was a great
1: day.